This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd like to ask you if you would go with me into the Old Testament this evening, the Old Testament, and find uh, 1 Chronicles chapter number 14. 1 Chronicles chapter number 14. And we'll begin reading in verse number 8 of 1 Chronicles chapter 14. And as we come to 1 Chronicles 14, we find that David uh, has recently uh, become the king of Israel. If you will remember, he was anointed the king in waiting by the prophet Samuel uh, upon the occasion of Saul's disobedience. The Lord sent Samuel to the house of Jesse, and he anointed the youngest son, David, to be the king. And the Lord sought for a man after his own heart. We know from the life of David that he was by no means a perfect man. In fact, he committed a dreadful sin. And that sin, in an effort to keep that covered up, led to other sin. We also know the price that that cost him, and it cost him greatly. We know that he sought the Lord in repentance, and we know that God gave him uh, mercy and grace, and God continued to use David. As we come to 1 Chronicles chapter 14, we find that a familiar foe has come against David, uh, the king, and uh, we'll pick up the story here, 1 Chronicles 14. And verse number 8, when the Philistines heard that David was anointed king over all Israel, all the Philistines went up to seek David, and David heard of it and went out against them. The Philistines came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of God, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines, and wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said unto him, Go up for I will deliver them into thine hand. So they came to Baal-perazim, and David smote them there. Then David said, God hath broken in upon mine enemies by mine hand, like the breaking forth of waters. Therefore they called the name of that place Baal-perazim. And when they had left their gods there, that is the Philistines, they had brought their idols to the battle. But when they had left their gods there, David gave a commandment, and they were burned with fire. And the Philistines yet again spread themselves abroad in the valley. Therefore David inquired again of God. And God said unto him, Go not up after them. Turn away from them. 
and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And it shall be when thou shalt hear a sound of going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt go out to battle. For God is gone forth before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. David therefore did as God commanded him, and they smote the host of the Philistines from Gibeon even unto Gezer. And the fame of David went out into all the lands, and the Lord brought the fear of him upon all nations. The Bible tells us in verse number 15, it shall be when thou shalt hear a sound of going. I want to speak to you on that subject this evening, the going of God, the going of God. Let's pray together. Fathers, we come to your word. We pray that you would instruct us and encourage us in it and through it. We pray that you would guide us as we struggle daily against the foe, as we seek, Lord, uh, to know your will and your timing and your direction for our lives and for our church. We pray that you would help us to be obedient to you and to learn to wait. And then as you go, to bestir ourselves and to go forward in the power of God, in faith and obedience. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to share some thoughts with you from this passage tonight, and uh, I have a number of them, but I promise to move quickly. You can hold me to it, all right? Uh, if you're writing things down, I want you to begin with this phrase, the persistent foe, the persistent foe. Twice in this passage, in these, uh, in these uh, nine verses we read, ten verses rather, uh, twice in these verses, we read that the Philistines attacked. When they heard that David was anointed the king, and the Philistines were familiar with David because when David was on the run from Saul, there were many times that David would resort unto the Philistines uh, for protection, and he would dwell among them. There was even a time when he fought with their armies. And, and we see here, that they were very familiar with him. Now they've heard that David has been anointed king over all Israel. And upon learning of that news, they didn't like it because they knew that David was a mighty warrior. They knew that David possessed uh, the ability to lead armies, that David had won many victories. In fact, it was David who slew the Philistine giant Goliath. And so they were very familiar with David. And the prospect of Israel thriving and moving forward grieved them. And so in an effort to prevent the thing from getting off the ground, so to speak, the Philistines came against them. They came against them in verse number 8. The Bible said they went up to seek David, and David heard of it and went out against them. And the Philistines came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And David did something very wise, did he not? He inquired of God, saying, shall I go up? And the Lord answered and told him what to do. And David went forward, and David won the victory along with the armies 
of Israel. It was a decisive victory. It was a victory that Israel enjoyed. It was a victory that helped establish David in his leadership, but it was a a victory that glorified God. You remember uh, in the days of Samuel, when the children of Israel went out to battle against the Philistines, they carried the ark of God into the land or into the battle. And the Philistines won the victory, and they took the ark of God and brought the ark of God into the land of the Philistines. If you remember that passage in the book of 1 Samuel, you know that they, they set the ark of God in the temple of Dagon, uh, their false god. Uh, they got up the next day to find that Dagon had fallen over in the presence of the ark of God. So they propped their God back up (laughs) and uh, went back about their business. They came in the next day to find that Dagon had fallen once again, but this time his limbs, his extremities were broken off, his head was broken off, and so they, they, they decided it would be a good idea to move the ark of God out of the temple of their pagan false god. And wherever they sent the ark of God, there was trouble. And they were afflicted with afflictions, uh, tumors called emrods in the Bible. And uh, they were afflicted with mice, and judgment was upon them. And they kept moving the ark of God from city to city because nobody wanted it in their town until ultimately they sent the ark of God away on a cart back into the land of Israel. And so in the hands of the Philistines, God was victorious. Now the Philistines have left the field of battle in defeat, and in their haste to leave the field of battle because the army of Israel was coming against them, they left their images, they left their gods in the field of battle. And so David captured uh, those gods, those images, and he burnt them. And here we see the glory of God again revealed uh, to these Philistine people and to all those round about. Now let's remember what the purpose uh, of establishing the nation of Israel, let's remember what the purpose was all along. Remember what God said to Abraham. Abraham, I'm going to choose you and your wife. You're going to have a son, and you're going to have a seed as innumerable as the sand on the seashore or as the stars in the sky. And through you, through your family, through your people, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because it will be through your seed that I will send my son. And we know that God revealed that it would come through the, 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 uh, that the promise of the Messiah would come through the seed of Abraham. And then ultimately again, he made another promise that it would come not only through the seed of Abraham, but through the seed of David, the king. And so God, over time, narrows down for us what it is that he's doing. And his purpose all along has been the purpose of redemption. His purpose all along is that through the people Uh, the nation of Israel, that the world would know who he is. And now the enemies are coming, these Philistines. And what are they trying to stop? 
They're trying to stop the progress of the advancement of God's kingdom and God's purposes. And they're very persistent in doing so because no sooner had they lost the battle, we find them again in verse, in verse number 13. And the Philistines yet again spread themselves abroad in the valley. Now, when we read through the period of the judges, we're going to find that the Philistines were there, persistently there, always there to assault and attack the Israelites, to bring them into bondage and to oppress them. And this continues all these years later. Uh, they are a persistent foe. And by the way, may I say to you that we have a persistent foe tonight. We have an enemy who, uh, whose, whose design, whose purpose is to stop the advancement of the gospel, to stop the progress of God's church and God's people. Because we live now in the age of what is known as the church age. And God is not finished with Israel. But in this age, God is using his church to reveal to the world who he is. And let me tell you that the enemy, the foe, does not like it. And he will seek to hinder you. He will seek uh, to bring you into bondage, bondage to sin. Uh, think of the besetting sins in your life. He likes to use those. And uh, Satan, uh, Satan is a student who learns uh, how he can come against us. And uh, no sooner has he uh, fought us on one front, and maybe we've enjoyed the victory that Christ won for us, that he comes to us on a totally different front, seeking to overthrow us, seeking to stop the advancement of God's causes and purposes in our lives and seeking to, to hinder the advancement of God's church. And let me tell you that our church has a persistent foe. The devil is against us. The Bible says our enemy, our foe is threefold. The world, the system of this world, which is under control of Satan, who is the God of this world, who has dominion over it. He has blinded the eyes of those who do not believe, lest they should, the light rather, of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. And his effort, his campaign is to keep them in bondage and in darkness. Jesus came to give them light and to deliver them from that bondage. And so the world, the flesh, and the devil are our persistent foes. Our flesh, the Bible says in the book of Galatians, is always at war with what God is doing in us through the Spirit. The flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. Paul said, I want to do right, but I can't do it. And I don't want to do wrong, but I find myself doing it. And we can all say, yes, Paul, we know exactly how you feel. And so we understand, just as the armies of Israel faced, so too do we face a persistent foe. The second thing we see this evening are not only the persistent foe, but we see the past victories, the past victories. Time and time again, God delivered Israel from the Philistines. And the initial battle that is recorded for us here in verses 8 through 12, we find that God gave the victory. 
But as we come to this second battle in verse number 13, I think it's interesting for us to note that though there were victories, many past victories over the Philistines, that David did not presume to go up to the battle just thinking he had the thing won. And, you know, the great danger in our lives comes when we look back on past victories and we assume and we presume upon the Lord that if we just take care of things in our own energy and our own strength, that we will win the battle. Now, Joshua and the men of Israel found out, did they not, at the battle of Ai? Do you remember the battle of Ai in the book of Joshua? It was just a small city. And the, the spies said, oh, we can take it. Just send out a small group. And so they did. And what happened to them? They were soundly defeated. And a number of men, I think it was 33 in all, died in that battle. Joshua began to pray unto the Lord, and he found out what had happened. There was sin in the camp. And God would not bless the army until the sin in the camp was dealt with. And all of those lives could have been spared had Joshua and the men of Israel sought the Lord before going into Ai. They assumed and they presumed that they could handle it. And so often you and I assume and presume that we can handle it. We forget that our foe is persistent. And by the way, he's powerful. He's powerful. And the smallest things that he uses against us can cause us to stumble and fall. There was a time in the book of Joshua when a group of people, they pretended, they, they, they pretended that they had traveled long distances. They brought moldy bread, and uh, they brought old uh, canteens, and they, they, their, their clothes were ragged and worn. And they said, we've come from a long, long distance, and uh, it was the Gibeonites, we've come from a long, long distance, and we want to make a league with you. Now, the Lord had commanded them that they would not make a league with anybody in that land. But it looked like, it appeared as if, just like Ai appeared to be a small city, it looked as if they were telling the truth. So without seeking counsel from the Lord, what did they do? They made a league with the Gibeonites. You see, we can get into trouble when we rely upon past victories, when we look to ourselves and rely upon our own strength and our own ingenuity. So many times as Christians, we're tempted to do that. And even in our church uh, ministry, we're, can, we're tempted to do that. So we see the persistent foe. We see the past victories. We see the present battles. Notice again in verse 13, and the Philistines yet again spread themselves abroad in the valley. The word spread themselves abroad, it gives us the picture that they seem to be everywhere. By the way, doesn't the devil like to uh, magnify his strength and his number? Doesn't he, he like to make us look as if the thing is impossible to overcome in our life? Maybe there's a besetting sin in your life, and you just have given up on it. You think there's no way. I'm, I, I mean, I've been dealing with this for years, and I keep doing it over and over, and, and I, I'm just never going to get victory. The devil's just too strong for me. Well, friend, he's, no, he's, he's not as strong as Jesus. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you and I are facing battles in this moment. 
and may God help us. And as a church, we know that we will always face battles. And that leads us to the fourth thing, and that is the praying people. The secret to victory and living the victory that Christ has won for us is that we would learn to pray. Now, remember what we heard from Jude this morning, praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter number 8 that as we pray, we have a partner who prays with us. You know who that partner is? He's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit knows the heart and mind of man. But not only does the Holy Spirit know the heart and mind of man, but the Holy Spirit knows the heart and mind of God. He knows what God's purpose and plan is. God the Father. He is, he is bringing together as, as you and I pray in our infirmities. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit helpeth our infirmities. The Bible says that we know not how to pray as we ought. You ever go down in, in, into your prayer closet or into a, a place in your home and you think, I've just got to pray, I've got to bring this burden to the Lord, and you begin to pray, and then words escape you. You don't even know how to, to word your prayer to God. You do not know how to communicate to God the burden of your soul. You're heavy, you're burdened, you're under assault, you're under attack. Satan is coming against you, and you know you need help. And you go to pray, and then you can't even get the words out of your mouth. And you want to know God's will, but you're not sure exactly what it is. Can I, can I encourage you tonight that the Holy Spirit, he makes intercession for us. The Bible said with groanings that cannot be uttered. In other words, there may be times in your life when you can't say much of anything. All you can do is bow your head and your knee before God and just groan in your spirit to him and say, Lord, I need help here. And the Holy Spirit perfectly interprets the needs of our lives and he brings them into the presence of God. And we'll have another prayer partner. His name is Jesus. He's the son of God. He's at the right hand of God. He is interceding on our behalf as well. Isn't that amazing to know that when you and I go to pray together or when we go to pray as individuals, God is praying with us. Why do we do so little of it? Why do we do so little? Because the Philistines know the power of prayer and they want to spread themselves against us with distractions, with obligations and responsibilities to fill up our day and our schedule with too many things that need to be done so that we say, I don't have time to pray or when we make the time to pray. Our minds are so cluttered and filled with the things of this world. Why is it that that always happens? Because the Philistines have spread themselves against us. They are a persistent foe, and Satan trembles at the church when it's bowed in prayer to God because prayer can do what God can do, and God can do anything. 
He can change your heart. He can change the heart of your spouse. He can work in your home and your family. Why is it, why is it that we do so little praying? He can lead this church forward. He can bless us and give us direction. He can supply all of our needs. Why is it that we do such little praying? I admire the fact that David did not rely upon past victories for this present battle. I admire the fact that David did something that we all should do. He paused and he waited and he inquired of the Lord. Notice in verse 14, Therefore David inquired again of God, and God said unto him something we didn't expect to hear. Do you see it in verse 14? Go not up. I don't think he expected to hear those words. Oftentimes we don't expect to hear those words. Don't go out. I, uh, I mean, Lord, we have the army. They're ready. We have proven, we have demonstrated that we are stronger and that we're able to take them. This is a time for action. This is no time to wait. But God said, wait. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. God's delays are divine appointments for us. Paul Desired to go to Asia, but the Spirit suffered him not and led him to Macedonia instead. You see, God knows better than we do what we need to do. That's why we go to him. And oftentimes when we're ready to go forward, he is ready to teach us to wait. Go not up after them. Notice the next two words. Would you say them with me? Verse 14, go not up after them, turn away. What? Turn away. Turn away from them and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. In other words, they're going to think you're leaving. They're going to think maybe that you're running scared, but you're not running scared. You're obeying me. You're not retreating. You're just following my plan. They were a praying people, and they got a promising answer. That's the next thing if you're taking notes. The persistent foe, the past victories, the present battles, the praying people, and the promising answer. The Lord said, call unto me, and I will do what, church? I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things thou knowest not. Do you know that God reserves the right to modify your plan and mine? <laughs> we like to make our plans, don't we? We like to joke in our house because one of the questions that uh, someone in our family asks us quite often is, what is the plan? And that's a really good question. But we don't always know what the plan is, and we don't always have a plan. And in our Christian lives, we like to have a plan. Some of you young people, you've got it all figured out. You're going to graduate high school, and you're going to go to a certain college, or you're going to get a certain skill, and you're going to get a certain job, and you're going to marry Miss America or Mr. Universe, and uh, you're going to have three kids in a nice house, and you're going to live on Lake Hickory, and everything's going to go glorious in your life. 
Uh, let me tell you about that plan. That's a short-sighted plan. God has far greater plans for your life than that. Now, it may not involve Mr. Universe or Miss America. It may not involve a high-paying job and a house on Lake Hickory. What it involves is something far greater, the glory of God and the purpose of God. God does his work today in this world through his church. And I want to encourage you as a young person, as a young couple, invest your life in the work of God. Be faithful to God's church. It will bless your family. And you, through the church, will be a blessing to others. And you, through the church, will discover God's presence and power in a glorious way, and you will enjoy victories, and you will see God's kingdom advancing through the church. You see, here is the promising answer. The Lord says, if you'll just do what I tell you, even though it may not make sense to you, I'm going to give you a victory. Look in verse 15. And it shall be when thou shalt hear a sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt go out to battle. For God is gone forth before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. God said, turn back to the mulberry trees, wait on me. When you hear the sound of the going, the sound of the heavenly army marching, when you sense my presence moving forward, then you go. And here's what you know as you go, that I've gone out before you to smite the Philistines. Who is it who won the battle this day? God won the battle. The battle is of the Lord. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means they're not fleshly. They're not even, they're not human but they're mighty indeed to the pulling down of strongholds. The weapons of our warfare are spiritual in nature. And as we learn to pray, as we learn to wait upon the Lord, the Lord gives us the promising answer that his presence will go before us. Did he not say to his disciples, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world? Has God forsaken us? Has he forsaken the Tabernacle Baptist Church? Absolutely not. Is God at work in the world today? Absolutely, yes, he is. What must we do? We must learn to wait upon him and then go as he goes with a promising answer. And then the last thing we see this evening, the progressing army, the progressing army. Verse 16, David therefore did as God commanded him. There's the secret to victory. He just did what he was told to do. Do you know when we get into trouble? Can I tell you when we get into trouble? When we try to figure it out for God. And we do it all the time, right? We think we sense what God wants us to do, and we try to figure out how it can be done. God says, no, you just wait on me. 
And when I go, you go. You do what I tell you to do. And David did it. Sometimes people in really tough situations try to look for excuses not to obey God. And they might say to someone like me or maybe a a friend in the church, they might say, well, you know, I know what I'm supposed to do, but really in this situation, that's not going to work. I need to do this. Or I really don't see how obeying God in this situation is going to work out for me, so I, I really just need to do this. You know, we always get ourselves into trouble when we do that. But when we learn to say, God said it, I'm going to obey it, and that's all there is to it, then we're going to see God work. We're going to, we're going to hear the going in the tops of the trees, and then when he goes, what do we do? We go with him. I like this same record is, is found for us in Second Samuel chapter 5. In verse number 17 through 25, but in verse 24, the Lord says, And let it be when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself. You know, we get kind of sleepy, don't we? It was a gray day today, wasn't it? It's cold. I was sitting in my living room or sitting room, and... Um, I have a chair that I like to sit in. I don't have a recliner. That would not be good for me. I used to watch with amazement as my grandparents would go to sleep sitting upright. And somehow over the years I've honed that skill and now I can do it myself. And I fell asleep. And then I'd, I'd wake up and I looked across the room and Kaylee was over the love seat asleep, and Melanie was on the other side of the love, sleep, uh, love seat asleep, and I thought, man, these people can't handle it today, can they? <laughs> and I thought, it's so gray and so dreary, and I'm so tired and so sleepy. I just wonder if I'll just stay home tonight. <laughs> now, you know, that's what the flesh wanted to do. You say, that works on the pastor too? Absolutely. Yeah. It just, it just was the perfect day to stay home, wasn't it? You know what I had to do? I had to bestir myself. I had to stir myself up. And I had to say, wait a minute. I know my flesh is tired and I'd like to stay home, but the truth of the matter is God deserves my worship. And you're the pastor. You have to go, right? You see, I think sometimes we get comfortable. We get comfortable, humanly speaking. We get comfortable with our circle, with our friends, with what's going on in our lives, with our church, and with what we're doing. And We get comfortable. And God said, when you hear the sound of the going, get up out of that lazy boy and go. Friend, we don't want God to go and us not go with him, do we? When God's a-going, we better go with him. And the Bible tells us here, and they smote the host of the Philistines from Gibeon even to Gezer, and the fame of David went out into all the lands, and the Lord brought the fear of him upon all nations. <laughs> 
What name do we want to go out through all the lands? Not the name of David, but the name of David's descendant, the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who will occupy the throne of David, King Jesus. We want his name to go out, right? He's our king. And so may God lead us forward for his glory, for his honor. I wrote down three words that I thought were key in this passage. Stopping, stopping. That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to stop us. The second word is waiting. Waiting is not stopping. God is not about stopping. I think it was Hudson Taylor who said God's work is always advancing. And even when we're called upon to wait, what God is doing is setting the table for the advancement of his kingdom. Stopping, that's what the devil wants to do in our lives. Waiting, that's what God often calls on us to do. To teach us that we must depend upon him. To teach us that it's not sufficient that we go forward in our own strength and presume. But to teach us to depend upon him. And then going. Stopping. Waiting. And going. You never waste your time waiting, but when you hear the going in the tops of the trees, then it's time to go. I imagine, I don't know, the wind started moving those trees, and we see the picture of the New Testament, the picture of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is that it is as the wind. Remember what Jesus said to uh, Nicodemus, In John chapter 3, that which is born of the flesh, verse number 6, is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Then he gives the picture, verse number 8, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. The picture is of the wind, Acts chapter 2, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Excuse me. There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. The Bible tells us in in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. We see the picture of the wind. We see the picture of the breath of God. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. All Scripture is given by inspiration, literally God breathed. In John chapter 20 and verse number 22, the Bible said that Jesus breathed or, or that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. You see, what we need is the move of God. We need the move of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our church. And when he is leading us, then we go. There's the stopping, there's the waiting, and there's the going. I don't know where you find yourself tonight. Maybe you find yourself stopped. Well, don't stay there. Go and wait. Go into the presence of God and wait and trust 
And then when you hear the sound of the going, what is it you should do? You should bestir yourself and go. Can I say to you that as the pastor of this church, I believe in my heart that there's a sound of a going in the tops of the trees, that God has something for us, something more than what we know now. And we will have to bestir ourselves. We will have to be willing to be uncomfortable. We will have to be willing to do things we haven't done before and to put ourselves in situations and circumstances that we're not used to if we're going to go. And so may God lead us as we wait, as we sense we're very near the sound of the going. May God lead us forward. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.